wait a minute now, hold on there, hold your horses, this isn't right. Things are getting out of hand there in that synagogue on that Sabbath day. See a woman, her back all bent over, stooped. It had been that way for 18 years. Woman, says Jesus, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. With that, he put his hand on her. Immediately, she stood up straight and began praising God, praising God right there in the Sabbath quiet of that synagogue. Well, then everyone else, everyone who saw what had happened, joined her in her rejoicing and praise. Things were getting noisy, were getting out of hand, and above the noise, hear a voice, hold on there, wait just a doggone minute. This isn't right. A voice insisting, insisting over the shouts of praise to God, over the joy, the laughter, this joyful chaos. Hold your horses now. Hold on there. There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. A law had been broken. A commandment. Even one of the Ten Commandments. The fourth one, which says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not do any work. Hold on there. This day is holy to the Lord. This is the Lord's day, but it was too late. The law had been broken, and things were out of hand. Shouts of praise to God, joy, and laughter. What was that like, that Sabbath day? in that synagogue on that Sabbath day, what was it like? Well, I've got a story. I might be taking a chance with it, but I've got a story that might help you understand, might help you understand what it was like that Sabbath day in that synagogue when Jesus healed that woman with a bent back, what that day was like. The story takes place at University Place Christian Church in Enid, Oklahoma, from 1985 to 1987, I was the associate minister of that church. Yes, I was pretty young back then. In the fall of 1987, the senior pastor, my boss, resigned. And the church made me the interim pastor. I was the church's interim pastor for almost a year until the fall of 1988. It was the first time I served a church on my own, without a senior pastor. There was a man in that church named Julian. He was a strong man, athletic in his youth. Even though the years had not been kind to his back, he was bent over with arthritis, still was he strong. Strong was his integrity. Strong was his wisdom. And strong was his kindness. I think he was a saint. He came by the church one day, Julian did, one day in the spring of 1988. He came by to tell me that a young man named Paul was in the hospital, very ill, and would I go see him? I did not know Paul. So Julian then explained that this Paul fellow had grown up in the church and was still a member, though he hadn't been to church for years. Paul was the adopted son of Norman and Alice Ann. I knew that Norman, who was an official at Phillips University across the street, had died. 
and that Alice Ann was living at the Oklahoma Christian Home near Oklahoma City. I also knew that Norman and Alice Ann were loved by everyone in that church, which, believe you me, was no small thing. After Julian left, I jumped into the car, drove to the hospital, and found this young man named Paul. He was indeed very ill. Very ill. I saw Julian a few days later. I said, Julian, did you know that Paul has AIDS? Mind you, this happened some 30 years ago. AIDS was still a strange and dread disease with people thinking this and that, and not very reasonably. Did you know that Paul has AIDS, Julian? Julian's head cocked upward slightly, and his discerning eyes met mine from behind the octagonal lenses of his wire-rimmed glasses. That was all. He said not a word. Was this Paul fellow, was he? Was he a... Well, yes, he was. Yes. Now, Julian had not said a word. And it is my policy that if you are a member of my church, I am your pastor, no matter what. So I was Paul's pastor, though I had no idea whatsoever what in the world I could possibly do for him. His life was pretty much one big mess. He was in and out of the hospital. I would visit him. I would call him up once in a while just to see what's up. He had his good days and he had his bad days. On one of his good days, he came by the church to see me, to tell me, to tell me of his plans for the coming Sunday morning. He was planning to come forward at the end of worship, to come forward to reaffirm his faith in Jesus Christ and before the congregation. Now, a university place Christian church, even though among its members were some of the finest people I have ever known, it was a contentious place. On the one hand, on the left, I guess you could say, I had all these university and seminary professors. On the other hand, on the right hand, I had a bunch of town people and wheat farmers. And spats and squabbles and flare-ups were all too common at that church. To this day, I'm still kind of jumpy. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, Oh, Neil, you are so young and your career held such promise, for I could not. I just could not say no to Paul. How could I? And sure enough, down the aisle he came as we were singing the last verse of the closing hymn. I asked the people of University Place to remain standing as I extended the right hand of Christian fellowship to Paul and asked him if he believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and do you accept him as your Lord and Savior? He said he did. I then asked the congregation the same question. They said they did too. I said a benediction. Paul walked with me up the aisle to be greeted at the back of the church. I was sweating bullets the whole way to the back of that church, thinking, thinking if the roof of University Place is ever going to blow off, and finally, well, today's the day. A law is being broken, you see. A kind of law 
not one of the Ten Commandments, maybe an unwritten law, but still a kind of law. It had been broken. And I couldn't believe it. I stood there in my robe with my arms crossed and my mouth hanging halfway open in disbelief. There were handshakes, even several of those double-handed kind of handshakes. There were warm smiles. And even from the people I least expected, there were warm embraces. She hugged him. Will wonders never cease? They knew. Sure they did. All of them knew. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. To this day, I'm still not sure what happened that Sunday morning. And there were shouts of joy, loud praises sung to God that Sabbath morning and in that synagogue. Helplessly, one shouts over the racket, wait just a minute now, hold your horses, for a law had been broken. One of the Ten Commandments, no less. It was broken, this commandment was broken by Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It is He who broke the commandment, He in whom the goodness of God breaks forth. It breaks forth. The kindness of God, the love of God breaks forth. And now, now there is nothing, I tell you, that now there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Here's the end of my story. Here's how it ends. A few months later, on my last Sunday at University Place, as the reception for me, a very warm and happy affair as it wound down, almost everyone had left, only some people in the kitchen cleaning up. As it was winding down, I saw Paul coming down the stairs of the fellowship hall. The sores on his body were so bad he couldn't keep his arms straight at his sides. Tears, tears were streaming down his face, tears stained if ever anyone's face was tear stained. You don't know what you've done for me. You don't know what you've done for me, he said over and over as he came toward me. He hugged me. You don't know. Then he left. And I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I did for him. Whatever it was that was done for him, I am sure I was not the one who did it. I am certain of that. Paul died a few months later. And my good friend Julian, if you're wondering, he lived another 21 years to the age of 102. Amen. Um, yeah.